We're losing! Teamwork, guys, more teamwork. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast, here's Arden Caleb. Welcome back to BTS. It's a Friday, January 25th. Art Aronson here alongside Caleb Kirby. It's the NHL All-Star break. Elias Pettersson is taking part this year. Canucks coming off a six-game homestand where the team took points in five of six games. Not too shabby. The NHL trade deadline is coming up. Francesco Accolini addresses tanking on his Twitter account. And the Oilers are a shit show. Those are all the things that I wanted to discuss. Those are our topics today. Yeah. I like it. Yeah? Yeah. Caleb was just giving me shit off air for not hey. having any topics. So <laughs> there you go. No, how's how's the throat? Not great. I will say that uh, ahead of this uh, podcast, even though it's already in progress. My, uh, I'm feeling a little down. He's a little under the weather. Yeah, a little under the weather. I had to take uh, a day off of work this week, and that's why this is kind of late, too. So I thought it was because the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl and you threw yourself a little party. <laughs> that's... Uh, you think I party too hard because the Patriots are in the Super Bowl? Yeah, World? yeah, and I think your your immune system's in a bit of trouble now. It could be it. It could be it. I may have overindulged after the Patriots' big win in the AFC Championship game. Uh, we could be talking. We could do a whole podcast about that if you really want. Yeah, I don't really want to. Maybe at the end or something. But I mean, it's a Canucks podcast. Let's talk Canucks. It is. It's my fault. I brought it up. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Elias Patterson at the All Star game. He's receiving a lot of attention there. Saw Steven Stamkos uh, tell reporters that the one guy he's looking forward to seeing is Elias Pettersson. Who doesn't want to see Petey? It's interesting, though, because he saw him twice already. Tampa Bay's yeah. played the Canucks twice already this year. Yeah. And he but still wants to see Now him. he gets to see Petey do his razzle-dazzle. Petey's going to have some room out there, Serena's free, and he's going to make some nice plays. Well, hopefully he has the same kind of all-star weekend that Brock Besser had last year, right? Yeah. Right? I Well, I mean, it's all-star weekend. You know, so as long as he has fun, I don't care if he wins whatever uh, match he's in or if it's accuracy or hardest shot or whatever he's going to be in. I don't care if PD wins any of that stuff. I just want the league to see how good PD is, which they will because he's incredible. And uh, I want PD to have fun out there. He's going to have fun. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, as a kid, I always used to love watching the intros for the All-Star Game. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, that's who this is for. This is for kids and families with kids to get kids into the sport of hockey, and it's a great showcase for hockey. It was pretty vanilla there for a while, but ever since they flipped to the 3-on-3 format, man, I've been tuning in. You're in. Yeah, I've been tuning in. I mean, like, there's a lot of people who kind of naysay it and go, oh, I don't care, the games don't matter, and they're absolutely right. The games don't matter, but it is fun, and I I don't think that's deniable anymore. The 3-on-3 format makes it fun. I've always liked the skills competition. Yeah, skills competition's good. It's, I mean, it's second, really, next to, well, eh, maybe third. Because, I mean, you got the home run derby too, right? As far as, like, these all-star showcases go. I love the NBA skills competition. I'm not, like, a big NBA guy all across the board, but I think their skills competition is just so dialed. Yeah, well, I, they, I love have the home run derby, they have their staples. They have their staples. I wish that uh, the NHL went back to the uh, the fastest skater, what they used to do when they were going up against each other at the same yeah. time on opposite sides yeah, of the ring. Yeah. That, that was, was cool. That was cool. Yeah. So I liked, what do they do now? I liked the fastest skater, and I also really liked, um, well, I'd really like to see like a two-on-one type of drill where you come down and you try and score on a goalie. I think we could see like a lot more nifty passing, shooting, scoring plays on something like that. I mean, the the hardest shot competition is still the hardest shot competition. Everybody wants to have the hardest shot. Hardest shot's cool. Yeah, It's, it's weird because, I mean, like there's – it's not as flashy as maybe it could be. I think it just needs a little more flash. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. But uh, it's my third favorite. I think the Pro Bowl is just a complete mess. Like oh, that. you mean of all yeah, the different, yeah, yeah. All the different like, sports? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of all, all the different sports. The okay. NFL Pro Bowl is so low on my list below the other three. And uh, hockey used to be, I think, quite a bit below, um, like, the uh, 
the NBA. And well, like I think the NBA has the best skills competition. Yeah. I overall, I think the actual like All Star game. I think the MLB has the best All Star yeah. game. Right. I really love the home run derby, so I'd probably put that as like my favorite weekend, yeah. the MLB weekend. Then NBA skills comp. I don't really much care for the actual NBA game. I actually think I like the NHL All-Star hockey game better now than I like the NBA game. But I think the NBA skills comp is better, and uh, the NHL skills comp is just a little worse. All right, cool. What do you think? I Well, I agree with you on just about all those. I do like the NBA All-Star game because I think at the very end of the NBA All-Star game, they actually do because they do try. It's like 140 to 138, and they do really try at the end of it. Uh, and I think maybe a little bit of that is coming back in hockey. I do like uh, the three-on-three. That's that's fantastic. It's one of the best things that's ever happened to hockey. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I like in, in games how they decided three-on-three. Like, I, I I just wish they'd just play three-on-three until somebody scores, man. Like, I'm, I don't really want to see shootouts nope. in regular season. But, like, uh, who knows? Well, maybe we'll cross fan, that bridge when we get to it. Of course you don't want to see it because Canucks can't win in the shootout. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Maybe that'll eventually happen. Who knows? But um, the three-on-three format for All-Star Games is, is incredible. It's great. Elias Patterson, uh, he was facing a lot of questions. There was a huge media mob around him at the All-Star festivities. Uh, he was asked about, uh, uh, you know, his thoughts about being so, you know, popular at the All-Star Game. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I have. Uh, like, I knew it was a lot of attention on me, like, after my last season, but... Uh, but it's like, I wouldn't say exploded, but has, it has become so much bigger at the, from the beginning of this season. So, But uh, I'm just happy with it, that people like what they see of me. And, uh, and then just, I'm, and I feel good that I bring joy to people, that they like what they see from me. So I just want to continue with that and uh, play my best and help the team to win. Petey was dialed in there with his hair just perfectly slicked back. Dude, Petey's so humble too, hey? Like, I wouldn't say it's exploded. It's exploded. It's exploded. It's exploded. In the NHL, like, throughout that league, it's exploded. When do you ever see a, uh, like, national uh, televised Canuck game or even just, like, our regional games that we get here where they're not talking about Patterson in the intermission? It's been nonstop all season. Everybody wants to see him. That I mean, could get to your head. It could. It could totally get to your head. But he's he's a humble guy who back checks, right? He's not just your offensive flashy superstar. PD's the real deal, and that's why we love him here. It's true. I remember when Pavel Bure came in, there was that same kind of, you know, huge explosion. I think the fact that uh, both guys don't, like, don't speak English that well, too, kind of helps. I think it helps. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Elias is, like, because he tries to answer questions, and it, can, you can kind of see it in his face. He's like, I want to answer it this way, but I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Right? He's very analytical uh, yeah. and, and making sure he gets his right response out there. Yeah. And it takes time, but, like, he usually nails it. He's yeah. just he's analytical at everything. Right? So, yeah, he is. Uh, the NHL doesn't really do an all-star break anymore. That's Mary, our reception lady. Yeah. Always chiming in on my podcast. Yeah. I don't know. She always... She's always got to get her way in there somehow. Yeah. Uh, so the NHL has changed this format of the All-Star break. There isn't an All-Star break, really. It's just a weekend off, and then teams have bye weeks. Yeah. What do you feel? How do you feel about that? I'm fine with it. When is the Canucks bye week? It's coming well, up here, Yeah, they get right? the five days off, and they play hockey again on February 2nd. Yeah, so, right? yeah, so that's next Saturday. They don't have a game until next Saturday. Yeah, uh, they have a lot to think about. They didn't really play that well heading into this All Star break, uh, even yeah. though they had taken quite a few games. Right? I thought that game against Carolina was an absolute turd. It was one of their worst games of the season, man. That game, that game got me worried about the defense a little bit again. Again, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I looked in the mirror yesterday and I see these gray hairs coming to the side of my of my hair. Yeah, it's not art. Cool. Say it good. ain't so. I know. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, why do I have gray hairs? I know why. Derek Pouliot is why I have gray hairs. <laughs> he was – that was an abomination of a game um, against they, Carolina. They had some really, really, really bad plays in their own zone. 
Branson and Pouliot, a minus five combined. Yeah. Those Edler had a bad one too back there where he didn't even look before he tried to clear it up the wall. Like he just looked down and he just took a golf whack at it. And I'm like, man, he's right there. He's hugging the puck. Like you're not going to get it past him. And he didn't even look. And I remember I was watching it with a couple buddies and I'm like, he didn't even look. You know, that's all you need to do is just take that split second. There's no guy bearing down on him. No. And he just went for it. He tried to hit Granlin like going out of the zone there, but it was it was on him. You're right. It wasn't just Gabranson and Pouliot. Yeah. The whole defense core were really, I don't know where they were at. They were responsible for pretty much every goal against except for one, I think, in that yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with Derek Pouliot. I tell you that he, if this was the NFL and he had a game like that, he'd be cut the next day. The thing about Derek Pouliot is, is he does some things well. Yeah. And I know, like, there's a lot of people that are really hard on him. He does some things really well. He's a pretty good skater. Um, he makes some nifty passes from time to time. But, like, sometimes it just – I don't think he's one of those guys who's consistent enough to be in the lineup for the amount of time he's been in. Yeah. I will say, and I've said this before on this podcast, I think he's a better player than Delzato. But the Canucks could use a guy who could come in – and challenge uh, a guy like Pouliot for that spot and make Pouliot have to sit out and, and really practice to become a regular NHLer. Because right now he's kind of just, he's kind of given that spot like as a token, you know. He's he's better than a lot of these guys in Utica. He's good enough to beat out those guys. But I'd love to see the Canucks pull the trigger on a trade to bring in another D-man who could challenge for, you know, that uh, um, 5-6 pairing. On the back end. What about Luke Shen? Is he gonna be a guy that might challenge for us for a roster spot at some point here? I, uh, it's tough to say because I think one of the reasons why Luke Shen is down now is it has to do with like his skating and uh, how fast his reads are. I think I think speed's kind of caught up with him. I don't think he's incredibly slow, but um, you know, I yeah, he could he could maybe challenge a guy like Pouliot for that spot. He's got more grit to his game. They can't keep running Derek uh, Pouliot out there. I mean, he he causes a goal, sometimes two goals a game. Well, that game was three. I think. that game was three. It was sure. between him and Good Branson. But like, I mean, that pairing was that pairing was abysmal, and they'd been so sheltered before that. Like, I I remember when they moved Hutton um, and Stetcher together, and I was like, man, this is nice. Like, it's good to see Stetcher playing with a guy who isn't Pouliot because he's, like, getting down the ice. It looks like he's just got more jump to his game, more confidence to his game, more confidence in a guy like Hutton being able to stay back there and, and uh, you know, tend to all the matters if he does get caught. Like, I think those guys have a bit more trust in each other. And I feel like Hutton doesn't have as much trust in a guy like Goodbranson, you know, who he's usually partnered with. And Stetcher doesn't have as much trust in a guy like Pouliot. But when, you know, they go into that game, they're paired up. And then you got hot, um, Good Branson and, and Pouliot together in there playing pretty limited minutes, and they got their heads kicked in. And you could see it early on in that game. Like, Carolina, when I was watching that game, I'm like, man, Carolina just came off a game the night before to Calgary. They're tired, right? If the Canucks are able to score a couple quick ones in this game, 2 nothing game in the first or whatever, our foot's on the throat of this team and they'll back off. The longer it takes for the Canucks to score in this game – the more trouble it is for them. Well, and that's exactly score. what happened. Yeah, they didn't score in the first period, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't, but as soon as it became evident that it was not Gabranson and Pouliot's night, uh, he had to mix up the lines. Travis Green had to mix up those, or I guess it's Nolan Baumgartner, had to mix up those lines on the back end, and they couldn't figure out anything. Like, all the players were discombobulated. It, it was just a shit show in the, in the Canucks' own end after that. That's why I think... Pouliot's going to have nights like this. You just can't. You just can't have him in the lineup. Well, I think somebody should be challenging him to be in the lineup, and they don't have that right now. Well, that's what happens when you trade away Delzato, I guess, right? Well, you got Biega there too, but like, and and who knows? Maybe Biega will start next game, and Pouliot will be sitting. But um, I could see it'd it. be nice. It'd be nice to see them get another piece on the back end and bring bring it either bring one up to challenge him or make a trade for something. Um, just to to give him that bit of a um, to yeah, turn the push. screws on him a, a little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that kind of brings me to the next topic: the NHL trade deadline is coming up. Mm-hmm. 
What would you like to see the Canucks do? I'd like to see us trade Sutter and Goldobin. I've been I've been saying trade Sutter for a while now. Bring the guy up like uh, Goddard. I'd rather see Goddard in that position. I think he's ready. Um, I think you could get some valuable pieces for Sutter because he's good in the dot. He's still fast. He's got a good shot. But um, what do you want in return for them? Killer. Do you want draft picks in return, or do you want players that can help the team right now make a push? Well, here's the thing, right? I don't think I can answer that question until we're actually at the trade deadline and and see how like yeah. far out we are from from making this happen. As we sit right now, the Canucks are just a point, I guess, out of a yeah. playoff spot. I mean, it's a dog's breakfast right now. Yeah, yeah. If, there's five teams going for the wild card. This, Hell, even St. Louis has yeah, pushed their this, way back into this it. This picture needs to get a little clearer before the Canucks decide what they want to do here. Yeah. Um, this is where you get the team tank versus team push for the playoffs, well, right? Team tank and suck it, right? <laughs> like, the thing about team tank is they want to be, like, at the bottom, like, completely shitty. And I don't think that really helps anybody. You know, That's it not going to happen. These players. It's not going to happen with think, Elias Patterson yeah. and Brock Besser. And you don't think Bo Horvat is like yeah. just licking his lips at trying to make the playoffs? Like these, these, this team needs to try and make the playoffs. And if they make it, they're in there. Even if they get swept in the first round, it's a taste, man, and it's going to make you hungrier to get in there. I agree. I, I like one hundred percent believe that, and then that's why like all this Edler trade Edler talk, which has died down a bit, really, when you think about it in the last couple of weeks, because the Canucks are on the precipice of challenging mm-hmm. for a playoff spot. I don't think they necessarily should trade Edler. Francesco Accolini, the owner CEO, I guess, of the Canucks, he was live-tweeting the game against Carolina. I don't think you should live-tweet any games because they always seem to lose. Yeah, they get pumped every every time he (laughs) live-tweets. Yeah, Uh, but he he put out an interesting tweet, I thought. He wrote, People who talk about tanking for draft reasons don't get it. Every player in the NHL beat out 10,000 other guys to get there. They have pride. They hate to lose. If you don't understand that, you don't understand the NHL. He's not wrong. He's not wrong about that, and I think people understand that. But I think they're talking about. I think Team Tank is talking about managerial decisions. Yeah. that's what. That's what. And we, talking we've about. seen that before. I mean, like it's not like it's no secret that the Penguins got Lemieux in the '80s by just icing like a bad lineup, right, yeah. continuously yeah. to try and get that. But because of this happening in the past, the rules against managers trying to do that like the odds aren't that good to get uh, even a high draft pick it's if been, you finish it's changed it's changed yeah, it's changed yeah, yeah it changed again once the oilers got mcdavid like it happened again not too long ago on these tankists they need to see that yeah plus like a lot of these people who are saying they should tank i don't think they're watching these games i also want to know what their version of tanking looks like yeah that's what i'd like to know to An- answer that question to me this rebuild's almost over we, we got Hughes waiting in the wings. We got Levy waiting in the wings. We got Gaudette who's going to step up at some point and take over a center role on this team. That's a pretty good spine when you think about it. When you got Pedersen, Horvat, Gaudette, whether it's Sutter, whether it's Beagle, who knows, right, in that fourth-line role, I think that's a pretty good spine up your middle for the future for a long time. And then when I think of a, a guy like Hughes on the back end who's going to be quarterbacking a power play and can learn from a guy like Edler – I got no problem with this. Yule Levy, we'll see what happens with him, right? Even if the Canucks, like, the Canucks are still going to draft this year. It's not like they're missing the draft entirely. They'll probably still draft in a pretty good position. The Canucks have clearly proven that they're almost better at taking guys in the middle of the first round um, over, like, these so-called lock picks in, like, the top, you know, five, six. So, I'm... I'm okay with where the Canucks are for the future right now, and I'm actually really happy with where they are for the season right now, and I think they sh- I think they should go for it. Does that mean trading Sutter for another piece on the back end that can help you to to make Pouliot sit out? Not necessarily. I'm okay with them trading Sutter for a future pick as well, but I think those decisions aren't decisions that necessarily should be made now. They should be made the day of the deadline or a few days before the deadline. Alex Edler is very interesting. What's going to happen here with him? I he, think he's staying, man. He's got a new no-movement clause. Yeah. So he 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 decides there. 
Uh, I think he, I mean, he refused to waive it in the past, I think. Or maybe they didn't broach asking him and the media asked him and he was like, nope, I don't want to, right? Yeah. Uh, they need him on yeah. the back end. God damn, they need him. And they need him next year, too. 100%. Dude, he's a guy who munches minutes on that back end. And sometimes, like, he does look bad out there, but he's playing. He's always matched up against the other team's top line. Yeah. You know, he and it, they're hard minutes. And even, like, I mean, we're both hard on Edler. Like, he takes a <laughs> clapper. He breaks his stick at an inopportune time. He rifles one off a dude's shin pads. The puck's coming out of the zone on a power play, and for some reason he can't corral it on the blue line, and it takes the momentum out of the power play. He takes him three years sometimes to get up the ice on a power play and you're just like please just attack through the neutral zone with some speed sometimes all that aside alex edler is still our best defenseman on this team and who are you gonna have to replace them you right? can't you can't just throw quinn hughes yeah. and be like take every minute i know next year right i think man Hutton, like hutton's resurgence this year too can't be understated because like he has been very solid back there as well I think defense, though, you're you're really and and we're seeing this on the on the back end this year. I think you're as good as your weakest link. Yeah, like you can't have a weak link like Pouliot. That's that's why I'm like, you got to do something about this guy. I think he needs the challenge. I think like a lot of these guys, they settle in, right? Like sometimes they need a wake up call, and that sometimes that's just sitting a guy. Um, what was the other thing I was thinking about? Oh, um. Well, there's uh, there's conversation out there that uh, at the trade deadline, maybe the Canucks could use a guy like Michael Furlan. What do you think about those rumors? That was the other thing that I, w- I was going to touch on was, you know, for a while here at the beginning of the season, we were saying like the two biggest deficiencies in this team are probably defense and goaltending. The other glaring deficiency that's uh, kind of reared its head as the season progresses is a guy who can bang in rebounds, a guy who causes a little more trouble in front of the net. I kind of like Josh Lebo, though. Can I, dude, his his tipping, yeah. like the way he tips pucks and stuff, he's probably the best guy in front of the net right yeah. now on this team. Yeah. I agree. But they don't have enough of that. They need another guy like that. I don't know, necessarily know if it is Michael Furlan. Like, I don't know if that's the guy that you go after. Yeah. But they need another guy who can get in front of the net and tip those pucks in and cause a bit of havoc. A lot of people have been like, well, it's Vertanen. Vertanen needs to learn that part of the game. I don't know if it necessarily is going to be a guy like Jake. I don't know if he's ever had that uh, like set of tools in his toolkit, even when he was in junior. He was always scoring off the rush on the wing when he was in junior. He continues to be a guy on the rush who looks the best when he's a- approaching the zone with speed and attacking the net in that way. But they need another guy who's going to be a net front front presence uh, for this team who can bang in the rebounds. That was supposed to be Louie. He's not doing enough of that. He's playing okay for where he is right now. I can't criticize his game as much as I was earlier in the season because he, he has stepped his game up. Yeah. But I, it's one of those things between defense and a guy who can just simply do that or has the potential to do that. That's what they need right now. I, like Goaltending isn't a problem right now, which is amazing. Yeah, Markstrom's been playing out of his head. I yeah, I I I would like to see them get a piece on the back end because I'm tired of watching Pouliot back there. Like I just <laughs> I can't. I like I said, I'm having, I'm getting gray hairs. So, yeah, yeah, fair um, enough. Who are they going to trade for that? Uh, you know, maybe maybe Goldobin or maybe Sutter could. I think those are the two something. pieces I'd be floating out. Yeah, I think Goldobin's value, like I, I think. With both these guys, uh, the Canucks fan base might be overestimating their value a little bit. Goldobin's everybody's everybody's saying, well, like, he's fourth in points. He's been fourth in points for a long time, and he's not even playing games. Well, he's not playing games because he's crap defensively. He's been moved to another team already once because he's crap defensively, and he couldn't hack it in the NHL. He was playing in the, NA, the A for most of that time. He still hasn't learned. I think the coaching staff has made that uh, apparently pretty clear you know, and even though he's fourth in points, a lot of those points are just happening because he's playing on a line with a guy like Petey, right? I think Barchi's a better uh, example of a guy who can play with Petey and be responsible defensively, you know, which wasn't something that a guy like Barchi had at the beginning of his career in the NHL either. He worked hard at it, and he can do it now. 
I think with the point totals that Goldobin has, maybe somebody will take a flyer on him and we can get a piece for him. Yeah, I'm but, really wondering what the yeah what the value is but, on these guys and what you could get in return. To, to me, the real piece, the real trade piece between Goldobin and Sutter is Sutter. I think Sutter is more cut out for a, a team trying to make the playoffs. I think... I saw a ridiculous stat where he has, like, one assist. Yeah. One assist. But he kills penalties, which teams need. Yeah. Right? He's a really good penalty killer. He's, he's great a, in the face-off He's a guy. really good face-off guy. Yeah. He has speed to get his ass up and down the ice, which is huge. You yeah. need that. Yeah. So he has some of the tools to play on a fourth line or a third line on a deep uh, NHL playoff team. And I think somebody will probably take a pass at him. Right. If they put him out there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Goldobin's such a wild card that he is a wild. You're player. really not getting much for him. It's hard. It's hard to know where his value sits. Yeah, right. You can't just look at the numbers. Like you can't. Maybe they could trade him straight across to uh, Detroit for Thomas Vanek. <laughs> right. You want Vanek back? Yes, I want Va- Vanek back. I don't. I don't. I. I. I don't think we need that type of player. I think we need a player who can he crash can and poke, bang. He can crash in front and of the bang. net, but he, it's not the biggest facet of his game. No, but he can. Yeah, but he's it's not How much fun was he last year? He was a lot of fun. Yeah, and yeah. I just I just think that he would solidify two scoring lines. But I also have a problem with trading a guy who's Goldoven's age for a guy who's Vanek's age at this point. I think that's a short-sighted move. If we are going to be trading for a player to crack the to bang pucks in in front of the net, I'd rather see that player be young and still have potential to even get better at banging pucks in in front of the net. That's that's my my two cents on it. Right. Either that or draft picks, right? But again, we have to get a little further down the line. That doesn't help you now. That doesn't help you now. Uh, one team that is in the fight for a wild card spot somehow, despite being the worst team in the NHL since December 15th, they're within three points of a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. That's the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Last week, I guess early this week, they fired Peter Shirelli after an embarrassing weekend of games, one against Calgary, one game against Calgary where they just absolutely got dummied, and then Carolina dummied them. Yeah. I mean, Carolina just dummied the Canucks too. <laughs> but uh, where where did the where did the end start? This is rock bottom for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, their fans are going nuts right my now. My problem with it, this... It's, it's funny watching their fans go nuts right now. My problem with this is I can't I can't agree with that. Like, I can't agree with it's rock bottom if you're only three points out of a playoff spot. I know, but it seems right? like rock bottom It for does seem like rock bottom, and I think the media is... A lot of the media is making it out to sound that way. Like, Jeremy Roenick had some harsh words for the Oilers. Like, some... Just... I don't... Did you see what he said? He's like, oh, yeah, they can't make a pass. They're playing too fast... Like, they're going up and down the ice too fast, but their skills aren't good enough to keep up with the speed that they're they're playing at, right? He's like, their passes are atrocious. Everything's atrocious. They don't look good, right? They look like the worst team. He said they look worse than the Red Wings, which he said was the worst team in the league, which I, I thought was interesting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, Shirelli totally botched this team. Everybody knows that. I listened to some Oilers apologists, and I've read some Oilers apologists uh, journalism, and they say that this all started at the in the 2016 playoffs when they lost that series uh, to who was it? Was it San Jose? Anaheim. Anaheim. Yeah, they lost to Anaheim. Uh, Sakara got hurt, and then Clefbaum got hurt, and it's just been a rolling ball ever since then. That's what they say. And then you got Shirelli, like... Firing the head coach, McClellan. Yeah. Uh, you got the big signing of Milan Lucic, which yeah. has been terrible. This isn't in order, but yeah. yeah. This isn't in order, but you had those <laughs> things happen. And now you're... And then, the, for me, the real, like, when I looked at it and I was like, this is a shit show, was when Peter Shirelli was trading guys like Drake Kajula. Uh, he was trading for these, like, defensemen that were, like, fringe defensemen to try and fill in the holes for Sakara. Brandon Manning. And Clef Bomb, yeah. Yeah. Uh, bringing in guys like Brandon Manning and bringing in guys, you know, like, it was, it just wasn't good. Who's that guy from uh, Florida they got? 
starts with a G. I can't remember his name. Russian guy, I think. Uh, uh, he's a fringe, but he's a fringe defenseman. And I was like, what is going on here? What are they doing? That's when I was like, this is a shit show happening. This, this year, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then last week when they waved after a game they got, I can't remember who they got blown out by, but then they waved Ty Ratty and Spooner, who they had just traded for. The only remnants left in the Eberle. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, the island, the Islanders are laughing because of some of those trades that Shirelli made. But here's the thing, right? Like, all these Oilers fans are all pissed off at Shirelli. They thought back in the day, when Adam Larson was traded for Taylor Hall, they thought that was a good trade. This same fans thought that that was a good trade. Oh, yeah. Larson's great. Like... And then Hall goes over there, and he just goes buck wild, puts up like a, a million points for the Devils. And now people look at it, and they're like, oh, yeah, he should have been fired for that trade because everybody has hindsight on it right now, you know? But, um, yeah, between that that Hall-Larson trade, the Lucic signing, this Koskinen signing that he did the day before he got canned, nobody else was consulted on it. He just brought the entire value of goalies. In the NHL, up because of that signing. Now everybody else like I had like signing is going to be asking for Koskinen money. That guy had like two weeks of good games, yeah, and he got the contract. String together like two weeks of of decent of decent goaltending performances, right? I love I love the comment by Nicholson. Finally, after he had to fire Shirelli, he was like, "There's something." What did he say? It was like like there was something in the water, something bad in the water right now in Edmonton. And I'm like, yeah, your 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 GM went rogue. <laughs> well, not only did he go rogue, but like, what's Nicholson thinking, dude? Th- this team is a laughing stock. They're continually a laughing stock, and I mean, in some cases, I love it because it's just like I remember when they got McDavid, and I'm just like, fuck, like, how many general generational players is this Oiler team gonna get as a team, right? They they somehow get Connor McDavid with their pick. And that made me turn on the Oilers right there. Like, I was just like, I can't even remotely cheer for this team or support this team in any way. Not that I would because I'm a diehard yeah, Canucks fan to begin with. Yeah, somewhere but right I, now, I, I don't you're, even you're feel, loving this. I don't even feel bad for him. I mean, I'm loving right? this. I don't, I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> I, I am loving it. Yeah. Because, you know what? It's fair. It's like the NHL is balancing itself out for for giving them that superstar in the first place and i feel bad for mcdavid obviously because like he's doing everything in his power to take this team somewhere he was baited this week too people and he's the only guy him. who's doing it people were asking him so this po- i'm gonna pose another question after i say this they were asking him like what's going on in edmonton right now are you really concerned what's going on and he took the high road he of course he was like well, i can't wait to prove everybody wrong our team can't wait to prove everybody wrong that we're not a shit show and we can turn this around this year, yada, yada, yada. So here's the question that I pose to you. Do you think the media is going a little overboard here when they say that Edmonton is wasting Connor McDavid? I do. A little bit. Yeah. Because, again, they're three points out of a playoff spot at the moment. They're not that far out. We're waxing poetically about how good of a season it's been for the Canucks. The Oilers are sitting around the same point totals that we're sitting around. It's just... It looks more positive for the Canucks because our future is brighter. Yeah. We look at who's coming in. We look at the players we have now, and we know something's coming together. That's why these team tankists for the Canucks right now are fucking – they just piss me off so much because they can't see the forest through the goddamn trees, right? Whereas the Oilers, like, they got nothing to look forward to now. These signings, you know, this Koskinen signing, this Lucic signing, like – uh, the money that they got to give, that they've given McDavid, Drysaddle, they're at like almost full cap already. Remember when they wanted to trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Imagine if they had traded Ryan Nugent right? Hopkins, they would have nothing, nothing yeah. outside of McDavid. So, I, I, I don't, but anyway, well, Drysaddle, but like yeah, Drysaddle, yeah. Uh, but there's tweets out there that that are like free McDavid, free McDavid. Yeah, that's just jokes, though. That's just that's just people stirring a pot. Right? Well, I read an article by Bruce Arthur saying that they're wasting a generational talent in Edmonton right now. I'm like, that sounds like a little harsh. He's only been in the league for he hasn't been in the league that long. That's Bruce Arthur being Bruce Arthur, yeah. and that that's another guy who's who's 
turning the screw a little bit, right? Just trying to get a rise out of him. Yeah. He he always does that. I just think it's kind of funny. I just think it's funny. I think it's funny and I'm loving it, like yeah. I said, right? And it's and obviously it's big enough news for us to be talking about it on the podcast, but um I don't think they're they still have pieces, you know. Their future definitely doesn't look as bright. And if they and if they were to wait in mediocrity for another five to ten years, I wouldn't be surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised if a McDavid just puts the whole thing on his back, tells everybody to jump on, and somehow they eke into the playoffs too. People are saying though, people are out there yelling, Connor McDavid should ask for a trade. Should he? Well, it, it depends on him. Is he happy or not? Is he happy? Is he is he willing to uh, try and turn this Oilers franchise around? Does Two he years wanna... of being shitty, does that mean that you're wasting a generational talent, or is that just this is a competitive league and they're not winning No, he's right still now. He's super young. Yeah, and that's the way I yeah. see it. But because of what uh, Shirelli's done here, he's really hurt this team's future con- outlook considerations. Like, it's hard. It's going to be hard again to try and build around this guy because of the money handed out of of what he's done, the lack of uh, some prospects in the system, right? Like they've uh, they have guys like Kyler Yamamoto who's come in, he's tried to stick. Ty Ratty, he's come in, he's tried to stick. Some of these guys, Puya Yarvi isn't developing. They're thinking about pulling the pin on on Jesse Puya Yarvi, who's like third overall, right? He's playing like fourth line minutes on that team. They they might trade him to try and get something, and I think they're boneheads. If they try and trade that guy, yeah, like he is so young in his development, it's not even funny. And I, I like, I honestly think if that guy goes to another team, he'll probably rip it up. Well, I mean, I think maybe Oilers fans and maybe the management are kind of, kind of, kind of remembering um, Yakupov. Remember how highly yeah. touted Neil he was? Yakupov? Yeah, and he really first overall, did, right? Didn't do fuck all. Yeah, right. So yeah. I think they're not afraid to trade prospects. Yeah. Well, they got that PRV Svensson guy, too. Didn't they have him on the team for a little while as well? Yeah. Right? So, Shirelli's major moves. Um, the Oilers got Griffin Reinhardt. They traded a bunch of draft picks. First-round draft pick, which turned out to be Matthew Barzell. So, this was to the Islanders. Yeah, that was for Griffin Reinhardt. <laughs> yeah, a second-round pick, which was Mitchell Stevens, who didn't really turn out to be anything. Uh, the Oilers traded uh, Taylor Hall, of course, to the New Jersey Devils in exchange for Adam Larson. Yeah. Uh, the Oilers signed Milan Lucic to a seven-year, $42 million contract. Jesus. Uh, the Oilers traded Jordan Eberle in exchange for Ryan Strom to the Islanders again. Yeah. Who then they traded... Turned into Spooner. Yeah. They traded turned Ryan into Spooner. Waved. Yeah, turned it into Wave. And then the most recent, Miko Kostinen, three years, $13.5 million. Those yeah. were his uh, major moves. And didn't he sign Sakara to something too? It was like one of his first things that he did. And I thought Sakara was a little. He's given a lot of players who haven't done enough a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you on Peter Shirelli as a GM? I don't think he's getting another job. No. No. Yeah. I mean, he. Who he, would be a GM in the waitings right now that could take that job? He might. They be, haven't named anybody. He might be an associate GM at some time. Yeah. I would, if I was the Oilers, I'd drive up to Eiserman's place with a dump truck full of money. Yeah. And be like, Stevie. We still don't know why he resigned in Tampa Bay. Well, that's still a mystery. It sounds like Kenny Holland's going to be piecing out of Detroit. So he wants wants the Detroit job. Yeah, I think he's he's probably going to go to Detroit. Right. Um, But some people think that maybe it's Seattle. But, yeah, he's the guy. Yeah. Number one guy that I'd be Yeah, Ken Holland, his name has been linked to Seattle as well. Yeah. Uh, Other names out there, Bill Guerin. Uh, I even saw Mike Gillis's name come up. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, so I don't know who would be a, a good GM for the Oilers. I hope they get a shitty one. <laughs> Sorry, Oilers fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the Canucks don't play until uh, February 2nd, and I think it's Colorado that comes into town then. Oh, no, they're at Colorado. Uh, they start a four-game road trip, So they're which stops in Colorado, Philadelphia, Washington, and Chicago before returning home February 9th. So there's a long time before the next home game. Dude, we're going to mm-hmm. know a lot more about where this team sits probably after that roadie, hey? Yeah. Like, But I don't know. I don't know because 
I thought that we'd know a lot about this team by this time, the All-Star break, and we really don't. Yeah, but Colorado's in that race, right? Like, they're just as desperate as the Canucks right now to win yeah. some games. They are, what, two points up on the yeah. Canucks? Yeah, and they're crushing it in goals, but Varlamov has been kind of pooping the bed a little bit lately. So. And they play in a shit-hard division. Oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. division's, you know, cutting pieces off them left and right. Mm-hmm. You know, including teams like Minnesota, who that's also in this race, uh, trying to get there too. But I think like you got to be good to beat Colorado. Colorado's not a crappy team, and yeah. you, your defense has to be tight. And the Canucks' weakness right now is their defense. Yeah. Um, Washington is Washington. They've been on a bit of a slide as of late, but they're still the Washington Capitals. They're defending, defending Stanley Cup champs. You got to be on your game for that. Chicago. Has been a bit of a surprise lately. They've been playing some spirited hockey. They were in the basement for a super long time, but I don't think they're an easy out either. I watch a lot of Blackhawks games because I love WGN. And yeah. I, I every time there's a game on WGN, I'm watching it. And I watched them play the Islanders the other night. By the way, the Islanders are the best defensive team in hockey. Barry Trotz. They were the worst defensive team in hockey last year. Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. I was That's amazing. Watching, yeah, I'm watching that, and I'm like, is that is that really right? That's what they said in the WGN mm. bro, uh, the broadcast, and I was like, that's really interesting. But back to Chicago, yeah, Chicago's no, there's there's no real team that you can look look past in the NHL today. Well, man, yeah. if you're Kajula, you must just be loving your life. Hey, going from the Oilers, all that negativity, all that crap, playing with a guy like McDavid, which is great for him to you know basically be an un, unsigned guy, decides to instead of go to the Canucks, go to the Oilers plays with a generational talent in McDavid. Then he goes over to Chicago, he's and he's with playing Taze with Taves and, and Kane. Kane. Yeah, I know. You can't, you can't do it. You can't do it there. Yeah. yeah, and he is doing it there, though. Yeah. He's He's been in on a lot of those guys' goals together, so yeah. good for him. Yeah, the Blackhawks aren't uh, they aren't terrible either. So, yeah, so it's going to be the – yeah, we're going to know – you're right. We're going to learn a little bit about the Canucks during that four-game road trip. Yeah. Uh, that's really all I had to talk about. The Canucks, uh, the Super Bowl is coming up next week. Do you got a uh, prediction? Yeah, I think the Pats are going to win. Yeah, Patriots yeah. are going to win? I, I, like, it, it's so funny because, I mean, it was 18 years ago, I think, right? 18 years ago was the first time yeah. Tom Brady, you Took, know. Uh, against the Rams, yeah. Went in the yeah. Super Bowl against the Rams. Now he's playing against the Rams in the Super Bowl again. They were a 14-point underdog yeah. in that game. That's crazy. Well, that's be- a big part of that was because of Brady stepping in. Yeah. You know, they had Bledsoe, and then Belichick made made the decision. He's like, we're going to go with Tommy Boy. Yeah. They go with Tommy Boy. They win. He obviously had a plan even at that point. Which was controversial, not only because Bledsoe had a huge contract, not only because he was a pro bowler, but also Brady actually got hurt before the AFC Championship game, mm-hmm. and Bledsoe won the AFC yeah. championship game, and the Super Bowl comes around, and they went with the rookie, yeah. pretty much the rookie in Tom Brady. That was that was crazy, that decision by Belichick. It was a, it was a ballsy decision, yeah. and they talked about it like pretty and much nauseum. the entire week yeah. Yeah. before the Super Bowl even happened. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they won that game. I thought um, back back in that, those days, like, the D could get away with a little more. Guys like uh, Ty like Law. Games, yeah. Ty Law was grabbing on a lot of jerseys and stuff. But, um, no, they ended up winning. I was actually cheering for the Patriots in that game against the Rams. Really? I did not like the greatest show on turf back in the day. Really? Did not like them at all. Um, and it's funny because I spent years hating the Patriots as a, as a Colts fan. But, uh, you know what, this year I think I'm going to go for the Patriots again. Just... Tommy Boy's the old guy, and he is old. <laughs> like, if he wins, is he going to hang him up or is he going to keep going? Crazy stat: Tom Brady's been the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots eighteen seasons. Yeah, they've been to the Super Bowl in nine of those seasons. Yeah. that's ridiculous. That, I saw this other stat that said uh, Brady has more Super Bowl appearances than all of these teams combined, and there was like five NH, uh, NFL franchises like on this list. Yeah. Uh, that hadn't been to the Super Bowl as much as Tom Brady has has been just as a player. That's crazy to me. I got a question for you, and I know this is really we're, – we're trading off the, the between the stammers mark here. But well, it's All-Star weekend, right? We, yeah. We're allowed to. Yeah. The, the Super, is the Super Bowl tainted? 
Because there is a lot of talk right now that it should be the New Orleans Saints and the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. happens every year. Like, it was the non-call at the end of the Saints-Rams game so egregious that we should be talking about that over who is in the Super Bowl. No, it happens every year. The, the, my, my biggest thing about this is the NFL has the NFL has created its own problem with the amount of cameras that they have covering replays on the field. If they are going to try and get the call right, then you got to go to replay. If you got to go to replay, you're going to slow the game down. If you're going to go slow the game down, people are going to be like, well, it takes how long to get through a football game these days? I'm checking out. You know, maybe not so much in the playoffs, but in the regular season, 100%. If this was a trend that went throughout the entire year, then that would happen. I feel bad for these refs, man. These refs are making, uh, are calling plays that happen so instantaneously, bang, bang, right? And then it's so hard for them to make that call at that point and then have a replay come in after that completely undermines what you said or saw. They don't have, the refs in that sport do not have nearly as good of a look as the fans and the people at home watching. That's interesting that in the NFL, for whatever reason, if there's no flag thrown, they can't they can't look at it. Yeah. They can't look. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the NHL, they have this rule that uh, called the coach's challenge. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think something like that would work in the NFL? Coaches I mean they do have coaches challenges. Well, here's my problem with it, right? Like in in that case, on that specific play, the call is subjective. It, there's no definitive answer. It's like goaltender interference. There's no definitive answer to what the criteria is to make that call on whether he was interfered with uh, pass interference-wise or not. That's completely up to the referee on the field. So even if they did have a coach's challenge for that, what are they going to look? What are they going to look for? Are they going to look and find enough to be like, okay, we need to overturn this? Well, there were three penalties on that call, and... I mean, three penalties that could have been called on that play. Uh, the NFL today actually came out. Well, they didn't. They they still haven't acknowledged the non-call, but they did fine the player, the Rams defensive player. I can't Bellies Coleman or whatever his name is, and they fined him for the hit for a helmet to helmet. The hit. helmet to helmet part. But of it. everybody's mad because the NFL hasn't come out and said that there is uh, yeah. that they made a mistake. Well, the helmet to helmet part anyway. is 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 probably a penalty. My biggest problem on this specific play is that he didn't turn his head to look where the ball was before he made the tackle. But think about it. Your checklist as an NFL referee in a split second. You got to be looking at this play. You got to be looking for holding, looking to see if he's inbounds, looking to see if the guy's going to make a catch looking to see if the defender is turning his head to see the ball. That's a lot of things that are running through your mind to to, uh, make this call or not. It's a lot of things to look for. I think, and like, this is my biggest qualm with the NFL. I think it's the most poorly refed league out of all professional leagues. You know, for as much shit as we give NHL referees, it's the best ref sport. It and baseball. Basketball and football need to sort themselves out. Football especially. But part of it is that the the replay is happens so much that it undermines what the refs are doing. That's why when we see scoring plays in the NFL on, uh, you know, going past the goal line, no. half the times the refs just call it a touchdown so it goes to review and they can review it, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're not calling, like, no touchdown basically ever. Even if it's remotely close, they'll be like, oh, touchdown. They'll review it. They see it isn't a touchdown. Like, what's their point? If, I think if, the if, NFL if also happening. loves, because it's a made-for-TV sport, yeah. and they love that you're at home going, you know, arguing with your body on the couch. No, oh, that's a touchdown. No, it isn't a touchdown. I think they actually like that. I like that, too, but I, I think replay is killing that. Crazy, and- crazy stat. There were like 53 million people that watched the NFC Championship game and yeah. the AFC Championship game. And that's like three times the amount of people that watched the NBA Finals last year. Like, crazy numbers. Yeah. So it's a made-for-TV sport. I think people like that. I think or The NFL quietly likes the fact that there's controversy that you can see through these cameras. As much as you hate it, they like the controversy that we're talking about it on Between the Stamps. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But I think replay in all sports is too much right now. Yeah. It's way too much. NBA games, NBA games, who last touched the basketball, as if the last two minutes in a 
basketball game isn't long enough. Now we're doing that, yeah. right? Say like in the CFL, ugh, it's you so can annoying. you can challenge pass interference, which is crazy. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so maybe the NFL should go to that. Uh, as it stands now, the Patriots are a three-point favorite, even though they opened up as an underdog. All the money went towards the Patriots, uh, the Sharps, everybody who thinks that uh, that uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady shouldn't be an underdog going into uh, this Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think most people think the Patriots are going to win this. Do you have a prediction, well, I, like I, a score? To me, you can have the prettiest offense in the world, like the Kansas City Chiefs did, and... Belichick shut him down for an entire half of football. Yeah. I think the Rams are very similar in the way that they run their offense. Yeah. And I think Belichick's just a master at doing the little things right off the line, getting to that quarterback early, knocking him down a few times. Like, he he knows what he's doing. So I, I do think they're going to win. Uh, we are going to see some offense. So I'm going to go with, um, yeah, I'll go with 28-24 Patriots. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to go with like a 32-27 Patriots. Okay. I'll go with that. Uh, if the if Brady and Belichick win here, do you see those guys retiring? Man, if you're on top of the world and you can still go, why would you? I don't – like – Do you like, think that like helps their legacy though if they were out on top? It's nice we don't to go see out it on top, we don't see right? Peyton we don't, Manning went out on top. Yeah. That, John Elway. That final Sedin home game makes it kind of feel like the Sedins went on out on top just for mm-hmm. the moment alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously not winning a Stanley Cup is is a big minus. But, uh, yeah, John Elway goes on, out on top. I don't, I don't think Tommy's the kind of guy who's going to just hang him up because he's going to go on on top. I think this guy is going to eventually keep playing to the point where he runs out of gas and he gets cut or traded or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I just, like... There's a competitor in that guy. It's like the Brett Favre thing. Yeah, it, there's yeah. a competitor in that guy that's just going to keep playing football. It's like Brett Favre. It's like Michael Jordan. It's like any of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I what kinda, do you think? Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you. I kind of hope, even though I'm a diehard Patriots fan, I, I'm I'm split on this because obviously I want to see this run keep going. But if this run ends and it run and it and it's going to end at some point here, he can't play forever. Yeah. And I would love to see it end on a high note, and this is obviously a huge opportunity for that. So I'm really split on yeah. it. I think it's a cool story, too, coming f- full circle against the Rams. Win or loss, yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to kind of bookend a career for him. Yeah, it's a good yeah. point. That's a really good point. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this podcast. Uh, just wanted to give a shout-out. We did get a review on iTunes. You can please, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, find us on iTunes and uh, subscribe and leave a comment. Uh, we did get one. Uh, thank you, Jeremy Baker. Two absolute beauties. Caleb and Art give the people what they need. More Canucks talk. Bless them and bless the flow. Nice. Thanks. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, thanks, appreciate Jeremy. Yeah. Much appreciated. That's the only one we have so far. He gave us five stars. So if you're listening, that'd be great. Awesome. Please. Uh, Caleb Kirby, where can we find you? Uh, at Curbman23 on Twitter. Uh, you can also get a hold of us, uh, Caleb Kirby, where? Between the stammers at gmail.com. If you got any questions, comments, concerns, also agree, tweet us. Disagree with questions. anything that yeah. we say on this podcast, yeah, get a hold of us. We'd love to uh, hear your feedback and maybe we'll read it out on the air or something like that. So, yeah. yeah, get in the conversation. Yeah, and you can find me at Art Aronson also on Instagram and Facebook by that same handle. Uh, thanks for listening.